This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here with uh, HTV. And uh, yeah, so today's subject is about, about personal responsibility when it comes to uh, the financial world when it comes to um, how people interact with uh, with the subject of money and finances you know how do we react with all that how do we interact with all that so our personal responsibility is the answer to the age-old question of which kind of society is the appropriate one when it comes to uh, caring for the the bottom of the hierarchy you know, in every single hierarchy, there's nothing you can do. There's always going to be people at the bottom. Like, for example, I'm at the bottom of the math hierarchy, you know, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's not a big deal for me. Um, on the, you know, on the financial hierarchy, no matter what you do, unless you give everyone the same amount of money, you know, people are going to be on different levels of that hierarchy. In every skill set, in every situation, in IQ, I mean, just... Human brains are, 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 you know, not every single brain's the same. And there's, an, there's a hierarchy there. Um, but the question that we're dealing with here is, how do we deal with the actual bottom? Uh, what do we do when people are at the bottom of a hierarchy? And especially when it comes to financially, because that's, that's getting to, down to the survival level. Like, how do you survive you know, if you're at the bottom of the hierarchy financially, I mean, there, there's, I think it's 83, anyone 83 and under, or 84 and under, I don't remember, in IQ can't even serve in the U.S. military because they, just, there's nothing you can do with a person like that. And meanwhile, you know, what, what, what do we do because they could be, you know, the, the breadwinner or loser in this case of their family and they need taken care of. So how do we take care of these people? How do we take care of people who who don't have and don't even have the ability to get some of them? And some do, and they have other issues of why, they, why they're not doing well. So the biggest two uh, uh, players in this is, um, is uh, communism, or, you know, that's an extreme version of socialism, meaning we're going to take care of the poor via socialism and and the other is uh, capitalism and and these are two options so let's discuss both first socialism uh, there we rely on the government to make sure that the that the that there's at least basic services for everybody and and that the the have-nots or the people at the bottom of any hierarchy um, will survive um, Israel, where I live, happens to be a uh, a very a very. Um, I'm getting a good good evening from India, who listened to one of my lectures named Asim Yusuf. Yusuf, how you doing, Asim Yusuf from India? Welcome. Nice to have you. Anyway, the um, the how do you survive financially? Um, how do we take care of them? So in social, in, oh, I was saying in Israel, so medical and education is covered. 
And so that means that it doesn't matter where you are on the social or financial hierarchy. You have your, you have your, um, you're going to be medically cared for well. And, uh, and also educationally, you can, you can, you know, really do, you know, you can just, there's no ceiling. You can just keep rising and, and that will be on the government. Um, the most extreme version of, of that kind of socialist thing is, is that we're just going to take away everyone's private ability to earn, and that's called communism. And we're going to, you know, heaven will work, but the wealth will be spread out evenly amongst everybody. And there's no such thing as privilege, but that doesn't make any sense either because that denies that denies natural hierarchies and it will ruin the competence hierarchy, which is the most important one around. Is That's how anything progresses, is the more competent are obviously going to rise. And, um, and you want that kind of thing. You want surgeons and you want physicists and, and, and engineers, you know, building our buildings. You want the top of the hierarchy building the 100-story tower, you know, especially in a California earthquake zone or something like we want the top physicists involved with that. So competence hierarchies, first of all, they're natural and they're in every single... There's nowhere you can look where you're not going to see it. And so to strip away uh, privilege just leads to the death of, you know, Stalinism and, and uh, just to, to try to get rid of uh, that, that competence is, uh, is a, you know, it's just a joke. It, all, it, all that would do is cause death and destruction in the world and uh, that's exactly what happened more people died in uh, under stalin than uh, than world war 2 now um the the interesting thing is that what you're doing there is you're expecting the government to take care of the poor now what's the alternative so the most famous alternative has been capitalism and capitalism, guess what? Relies on the government to take care of the poor. It's the same exact thing. I'm going to rely on the government for that. And what does that mean? That means that that here we try to promote wealth amongst individuals, and then we tax the wealthy, and then the money of the of the wealthy, or the money of those companies or whatever the initiatives that that those individuals have goes to goes to the taxes, and then the government takes care of the poor. Now, um, in the argument of which one's right, the answer is that we don't know. I mean, they're both right. You've got to take care of the poor, and, and there should be equality of, of wealth, and, um, you know, like meaning uh, everyone should have at least a basic amount of money and so that they can survive, and no matter who they are and what, where they stand on any hierarchy. And, and then they, and then in the, uh, but the, you know, the, when the communists fell, the capitalists thought they won. They didn't win. They just fell late. They're falling later. Meaning they, they, yeah, they beat them as far as how long they could, uh, you know, float. But, uh, what we're seeing in, uh, and what we've always seen and, uh, and grown up with is that, is that the there's a rot that takes place in the capitalist system of the inner city and the inner the the uh, the have-nots are not cared for by the government in the end 
and there isn't a proper care of them and and of course which leads to you know the 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 way things fester and and rot and mold in in those in those areas you know eventually leads to people growing up in there angry and and um and crime becomes the mode of uh of uh of um, survival and uh great bitterness you know as we have seen uh, during these riots over the death of George uh, Floyd, the um, there's been uh, you know these uh, these massive riots, but the but there's like the protesters are probably the you know they're angry people, and probably many of them are bitter and angry over this whole you know the, the breakdown of of expecting government to take care of the poor, and the uh, but then there's also been the the violence and the looting and the um, arson and various other uh, um, activities that are again indicative of anger and resentment and and intense poverty that's led to a life a life of crime, which uh, you know people have been opportunistic about since the uh, cops are greatly outnumbered right now. So how does how does Judaism look at this? I mean, Judaism's got a good, uh, you know, we're, we're we got a pretty good three thousand three hundred year run now. And uh, how do we look at this? How, do, how does the Jewish people look at at um, at the spread of wealth? And the answer is is that we basically don't rely on government at all to take care of everybody. There's no relying on the government for that. Um, first of all, you have the tithes that we give to the poor. So every individual gives certain tithes to the poor, as well as taking care of the Levitical community. All the, the Levites are not expected; they can make their own money, but they have uh, they have not they're not expected to work. They they're taken care of by the other eleven tribes of Israel. We take care of the priesthood. That's the the Levitical body, which is Kohanim and Levites. So we take care of them, but also we take care of the poor. And there are two commandments in the Torah regarding poor people. One is, it's a thou shall and thou shall not. The thou shall is you should give according to your ability to give, and thou shalt not is you shall not say no if someone asks you. Now, a lot of people don't even know about that commandment. People think, ah, nah, no. So people think saying no is like they're they're right, you know. It'd be like un-American to not be able to say no. So it turns out that every time you've been able to give but you said no, you broke one of the Torah commandments, which is thou shalt not um, withhold uh, charity, tzedakah, if you can. By the way, let's go into the word tzedakah. The word tzedakah has to do with um, with the scales, with... with, um, with uh, um, what you'd call equality, um, and in this case, tzedakah means equality of wealth. That um, see, the word charity sounds like the haves give to the have-nots, so it's like you're doing someone a favor. Whereas the word tzedakah implies tzedek, it implies uh, doing the right thing here. Um, uh, it's the word tzedek means justice, like doing what's just. And to realize that, yeah, you worked hard because you run some company, or you work hard because you 
make a wage or whatever. You know, that's, that's wonderful that you made that money, but we believe God made that money through us, meaning, meaning we move our hands around. He lets us pretend we do something during the week. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it, we're like puppets. Like God just lets us move our bodies around and move our minds around in such that we can make a living. And, and the Torah is telling us from the word tzedakah that, that we are to, um, we are to, uh, to even out the scales. Meaning if you got a lot of money, so you're supposed to distribute that personally. But there's no government. There's no government at all in that. No government. And you see that when you have a tzedakah, uh, when tzedakah is a value, and again, tzedakah means, means uh, for those who are not Hebrew speakers, that means charity. But as I said, it doesn't exactly mean charity. It means feeling a sense that God gave you the money he gave you and that someone else is lacking is also from God and God's watching you and is commanding you to take care of others and to make sure that you don't say no while taking care of others. Um, you know, uh, we just finished Shavuos, the Shavuos holiday. And in the Shavuos holiday, the famous story that's read is the, the Book of Ruth. And in the Book of Ruth, the, the whole story begins with a very, very wealthy sagely man who says, wow, you know, there's a huge famine in Israel and people are already like, like uh, acting pretty nuts. So, so uh, uh, why don't we just get out of here? And he took his wife and two sons to Moab, uh, the Moabite uh, uh, country, Moab. And he, um, subsequently, he dies, his kids die. And like, like he, but he should have, his job was to give out the money. Like his job, because he was thinking like, they're just, they're, they're just, I'm not going to have any money left, you know, like uh, he was very wealthy and he's like, I'm not going to have any money if I, if I give it out during a famine, you know, and, and, uh, and lo and behold, uh, he decides to leave and save his wealth and himself, perhaps, I don't know if they were criminals at the time. And, and he, um, but he, he, he just winds up dying and his wealth is gone. Uh, his wife in the end with her two uh, daughters-in-laws after her sons died. Her name was Nomi. Nomi and her, they were barefoot. I mean, they walked back to Israel barefoot. Uh, Nomi and Ruth. And wound up, you know, just uh, begging. So, anyway, the, um, the, uh, Shell asked a question from America. Why are you, why do you, are you perceived it as a job to take care of the poor? Oh, the word job, I guess he was focusing on that it's a job. Anyway, um, so by the way, rabbinically, it's also important to note that, uh, that because you just have to give what you can, the, um, so they did, uh, the rabbis did make a minimum. The minimum was 10%. So you have to, after taxes, after everything, like your actual take, you have to take 10% off of that and give it to um, the people of your choice, which is also unique in Judaism because generally um, charity goes to the 
goes to the church if you're doing the 10% thing in the religions. But in Judaism, you give the 10% to who you choose because Judaism recognizes that don't rely on someone else to do this, you know, including your synagogue or church or anything like that. You take care of it. Make sure everyone's eating. You look, and also look a poor person, poor financially person, in the eyes when you hand it to them and say, you and I are one. Like, this could have been me. The fact that this is you, we're the same, you know, like, like, like could, it, could it be you giving to me right now? Maybe you are giving to me because maybe the mitzvah, maybe the, the fulfillment of this commandment is a greater charity to me than it is to the money that you're receiving. And, um, and it's, um, anyway, but that's, that's taking the personal care and the recognition that that it's that it's our responsibility to take care of one another. Um, it pro will put, the world will probably never never um, be right until it until uh, people sense this responsibility of taking care of one another. Um, it's. You know, the, the, like the cities in the U.S. have been on fire, and now it's spreading to other countries. The, but no one seems to get the point. You know, no one even no one seems to get it that that it, that it's our responsibility. No one no one notices. I don't know how they don't notice. But you'll see in in certain communities, like in the, um, there is no homeless. Like we, I live in a. I live in a particularly um, uh, financially poor community here in Jerusalem, and where people really have nothing. You know, like um, I would say, the majority of my neighbors go into Shabbat every week without an extra ten shekels in their house, which is about two bucks. I don't believe many of them have an extra ten shekels in their house when they're celebrating Sabbath with like. Like as if they're the richest people in the world, but but there's just no money, but there's no homelessness, and no one starves, and the the community here is highly highly um, supportive of one another. Everyone's taken care of. There's no hunger, and there is no homelessness here. There's no homeless problem here in Israel, and and, and it's not because of the government. It's not because Israel has socialized medicine and education. That's not why. You know, the reason why is because is because there's a recognition that it's up to us to take care of one another. That it's our job. That someone comes to your door, that's you. He's you. You're him. You know, we're 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 connected, and we we sense the responsibility, and we sense the blessing of the of that which God has given us. We sense that blessing and the uh, responsibility that it bears. You know, it comes with responsibility that we have to take care of each other. Um, I forgot to mention that wealthier people give more than 10%. It's on a scale up to 20, so 10 to 20. 10 is for people who don't have much money. So, you know, you got 100 bucks for a job, give 10. Okay? Uh, but if you're getting $100,000 a job, so give 15%, you know, give more. And uh, you, if you can afford more, you give more. Uh, but the cutoff is 20% um, because uh, our sages determined that if someone gave more than 20%, they're eventually going to wind up 
um, poor as well. So not to get beyond 20, although um, it's there's a, a unique situation where someone has is what's called an usher uh, muflag, which means a extremely wealthy, um, extremely wealthy person. They're allowed to give as much as they want because they're already like set for life. You know, they got just an interest of in what they have in investments. It would pay for them, their kids, their grandkids. You know. That's money that's sticking around, and and so they're allowed to give as much as they want. The reason I'm pausing so long is I'm considering how it is we're going to impress this upon the world, because... Uh, much of the world's been in emergency mode in the last week um, since the since the uh, situation with uh, the murder of that that uh, you know in uh, Minneapolis by that police officer. Um, you know the world's hemorrhaging, and no one's thinking about this approach. Um, also, with uh, with the coronavirus, uh, many, many people have lost their jobs. The highest unemployment rate in America, apparently, since um, since the Great Depression earlier last century. And and um, and it's likely the same in, in many, many countries throughout the world. And so we're once again, you know, we're, we're expecting the government with a stimulus package to take care of everybody. You know, what, what about you take care of some people? What if you take what you got and you take care of some people? You know, so many people will die with their wealth. So many people will, uh, you know, so many people will be buried with their wealth. Um, meaning, I'm, I'm using a pun like literally buried with their wealth. They, they, didn't, they didn't share it and it buried them ultimately. And, um... We have to share. This touches me extra deep because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, when I'm watching these riots, I'm thinking of, of my uh, namesake, because uh, Martin Luther King passed away three days before I was born, and my parents, being uh, nice liberal Jews, in the nineteen late nineteen sixties, nineteen sixty eight, they, um, so they named me. My my English name is John Martin, John after my mother's brother and uh, Martin after Martin Luther King so I'm, a, I'm actually a Hasidic rabbi named after a, uh, a black minister civil rights leader and um, so it's always been in my blood like from the earliest earliest days I remember when my father uh, you know my father's a sports fanatic and he used to show up to the games uh, when we went to the the Rams, the L.A. Rams, many years ago, were in the L.A. Coliseum. So, so where do you park? So we'd park on the lawns of the, you know, the inner city, downtown, you know, poor community there. We would park on their lawns. So there was one particular lawn where we parked most times. And the, we, the, the black man who was, um, whose lawn it was, <laughs> I suppose, but uh, his... Uh, you know, my father would pull up his Cadillac and, and, um, the guy wanted 10 bucks a car and 
my father was like the quintessential uh, dealer. So like he had to deal all the time. And, and so my father told him like eight bucks and the guy's like 10 bucks, man. I'm parking cars on my lawn just to feed the family, you know, 10 bucks. My father would be like nine bucks. Anyway, they would get in a whole fight and, and either my dad would be upset if he gave 10 or the guy would be upset if he wound up expect, accepting nine. So what I learned as a little kid was always go to the ball game with a dollar always bring a dollar because they tend to always get to nine and ten and uh so i always went with a dollar and the first time i when my father was arguing with him i opened the back when i was a little kid i mean i was like six maybe five or six seven so i would wait i waved the dollar outside the window to him winking at him like you know this is for you bro just take the nine bucks make my dad happy and and uh, my dad was like the capitalist of all capitalists he was, he was like uh like Donald Trump incarnate, and um, he uh, he and he had this like you know kind of Marxist son who's finally found his balance in the in the Torah world where I learned about how it's actually supposed to go, money, and um, anyway, so after a while it just became a, a, a ceremony we went through where my dad would argue a bit, give him the nine bucks, and then. When we got out of the car, you know, my dad would turn towards the Coliseum and I would turn around and hand. We called him Rasta. He had a bunch of dreadlocks. And so I, I would hand Rasta the buck. And uh, he taught me a really cool handshake. One time my father looked back wondering where I was. I guess he was saying something to me and he saw I wasn't there. He sees me in a, uh, you know, a full-on bro's handshake with Rasta over there. Okay, everybody. So, uh, so let's uh, let's sh- let's count carefully to share uh, the blessings that we get financially. Make sure we're sharing it, and let's all come up with ideas how we can impress this upon the world. Let's take let's take all the money away from the government, uh, meaning the money that's supposed to go to the poor. Like, let's figure out what is that amount, and let's take care of the poor ourselves. Let's deal with people lacking fi- finances. Let's let's take care of them on our own the way we do it here in Jerusalem. Uh, I think the whole world could learn this lesson. And um, we pay less taxes and enjoy much more uh, blessings in our lives that we take care of it ourselves. What a way to live. What a, what a blessing to live life that way. Anyway, um, blessings to everyone. Please click and uh, hit all the Hit all the different buzzers and whistles, follow, share, and uh, subscribe, whatever it is. Um, Keep sending this along, and thanks for watching everyone on YouTube. Please subscribe to my channel, join my club, RabbiYomTov.com. And uh, and also, uh, uh, everyone watching on Tour Anytime, what an incredible organization. Keep up the great work. HTV, keep it going. All the best. Blessings. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.